Traveling the Vortex. Doctor as he travels the vortex and lands outside of continuity in episode 418. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Good. You're going to want to hold on to that. I'm glad it's out of continuity. (laughs) Well, I just, there are going to be other things coming up that are going to be outside of continuity, and so you're going to want to hold on to that. You're going to want to revisit that. Everything's I will, I will in continuity in a certain way. Even Gary Russell has retconned the continuity that he said this was part of, so we're okay. It's Doctor Who, where continuity doesn't matter. <laughs> Continuity's out the window. <laughs> uh, good. I've been ill. That's why we're recording late this week. I wasn't necessarily ill. I just had a really bad migraine. But mm. Got some rest, got some drugs, and I'm good to go now. So. Excellent. You guys do anything fun? My daughter had a uh, musical over the weekend. Unfortunately, her f- Thursday night show got canceled because school got canceled. Oh, Fortunately, yeah. they let them go on Friday, even though they were out of school on Friday as well. Um, she was in Pippin. Oh, West how was High it? School's Pippin. It was. It's pretty good. It's an interesting play. I'd never or musical. I had never seen or heard much about it. It's a good story. It's a, it's 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 an unusual musical. Musical. It's got a neat twist on the end. That's one I have not seen. I've not either. Didn't see any movies this weekend though. So, or this week. I bought a car. Oh. Yeah. What'd you buy? A 2018 Nissan Kicks. Oh, I'll be there. Is it out in the driveway? It is. Well, we'll have to go get a tour. It's got an orange right. roof. Let me hit pause. Oh, we'll just take the listeners with us. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's really spacious. It's got an too. orange roof, you yeah. said? What's the rest of the car color? Gray. What? Yeah. Is all it, of them right. have different colored roofs in the bodies. Oh, Almost all of them. I'll have to see this. The two-tone, huh? Yeah. Sean, did you uh, do anything this week? Did you buy a car? I did not buy a did car. Did you go see a musical? I did not go did see Did you see any car. films? Actually, I did see a musical. You did? Yeah. Lego Movie 2. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a musical? There's a musical number in it. Does that count? No. No. Okay. How was it? It's good. Not it's, as good as the first movie? I don't think it's quite as good as the first one. Um, but that might just be because, you know, some of the novelty is kind of worn off at this is point. Is that actually Bruce Willis's voice? Playing? Yes, it is. Oh, I'll be darned. That's Spoilers. Cool. Well, it's, it's, in the, it's in the trailer. <laughs> Bruce has a cameo. No, it's it's it, it's 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 good. It's very much worth seeing. You would, I think, very much appreciate it. It, it still has that same kind of uh, you know sense of family, and uh, you know it's 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 giving you a lesson, and yet it's Lego, so you know the importance of using your imagination and uh, and that kind of stuff. It just you know once it gets over the hump of we showed you all this in the trailer for the setup, then it's like okay, now it's now it's getting good. But mm-hmm. it took a little bit to get to that moment. Did you watch anything, Keith? We watched Venom. What did you think of Venom? I wasn't overly impressed. Really? I liked the third of it. Which third? <laughs> the last the third. The last third. Once once Venom and Eddie kind of become actually symbiotic and work together as a team, it's a lot of fun. But it's just getting there is slow going. It felt a little rushed because they spent so much time setting everything up. Did you watch any other movies? We went and saw Cold Pursuit. I don't know that one. That's is. the new uh, Liam Neeson beats up everybody in January release movie. <laughs> you know, every, every year there's a Liam Neeson beats up everybody in January movie. Uh-huh. This is this year's model. <laughs> it's also a comedy. 
it, it's it's kind of weird. It's not what you would think. It, it's very much not in the vein of Taken or any of those, whatever, 11 of them, however many we've got now of those kinds of movies. It's a, it's a dark comedy, and it's very kind of sarcastic and twisted humor. Hmm. It's fun. I don't know that it's run out and go see. It's more of a rental, probably. Hmm. What's in the news, Keith? Well, Doctor Who won uh, BAFTA Visionary Honors as the best TV show. BAFTA Visionary, Visionary Honors. Best TV show. Yep. So is this different from a BAFTA? I'm not entirely sure what. We are talking about the last season, right? Season yes. Series 11? Yes, yep. for Series 11. Yep. Why did they win? It says Doctor Who is just one of several winners in categories celebrating diversity in film, TV, music, and public life. So I think it's celebrating the diversity of the show. Gotcha. Well, good for them. Yeah. It's a new initiative designed to recognize conservation and around this diversity. So ah. I think that's good for me. I think it's very good. Any award you can throw at the show, the better. Unless it's a Razzie. <laughs> In other news, Twitch has announced that from February 17th to February 22nd, you will be able to watch 12 adventures featuring the Daleks on Twitch. So previously, the marathons did not include many Dalek stories. Now they have more. Glenn, right up your alley. Yeah. We know where to find you. From not, not that I don't own all of the Daleks <laughs> stories on DVD anyway. But. It, go, it goes from 63's The Daleks to 88's Remembrance of the Daleks. Well, what will happen is I'll sign in and, and be... It's going to be the bridge. The, the cap. The, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, the gap. Yeah. Trying to get over the gap again. <laughs> It's also going to feature the five Doctors, which wasn't included previously. Well, Daleks ran that, too. Yeah. Or for, a Dalek, rather. <laughs> for, for, for about five minutes. Yeah, yeah. For, for us, the gap year has a whole different... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finally, Candy Jar Books have announced the next Lethbridge Stewart t- novel in the Laughing Gnome series. Book number four, Rise of the Dominator. Dominators are back. Written by Robert Mamone. But the quarks, the quarks gonna be in it. I, I'm not reading too much because I don't want spoilers. (laughs) I want a fresh Dominator experience. Uh, London, 1973. Gangsters, Dominators, and the Brig. Cool. That's really all you need. Hey, yeah, no doubt. (laughs) I'm in. That's it on news. All right. Well, shall we move on to feedback then? Let's. Is we should respond to some comments that Jameson mentioned in yeah, his let's, audio. Uh, let's do that before we read this week's uh, feedback. Uh, last week we neglected to uh, <laughs> answer. Jameson sent us uh, audio feedback that we record or that we uh, played in last week's show, and we <laughs> got to the end of it and forgot to <laughs> answer the questions that he had. Uh, Jamie had a question for what our favorite Dalek and Cyberman stories uh, were. Uh, that's. Tough. For Glenn, that's all of them. Yeah. For uh, Daleks. Well, I mean, there are some Dalek stories that I I like less than others. He I, really likes Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks. <laughs> that's one of my least favorites. But in it's, the chasm. I still don't, I don't hate it as much as... <laughs> Episode 6 Sean, yeah. of the Daleks. Uh, that one is special. It's really easy to go to Genesis. I think that is one of my favorites. Uh, but I really think, as kind of cheesy as it gets sometimes, I think Destiny is one of my favorite. Destiny the Daleks is one of my favorite Dalek stories. 
And of course, Remembrance is always on the top. Of I like Invasion of Earth a lot. That and, you know, Genesis is, you know, the staple. And Remembrance is really good too. Genesis, Remembrance, of course, those are kind of, you know, givens. Oh, Dalek is another. Oh, uh, yeah. Ace is one. It's Asylum so of the good. Daleks. Not, not that Ace is in that. I'm just saying Ace is in. It's great. Yeah. I, uh, I also have an affinity for uh, Death to the Daleks. Um, and it's it's horrible. It's it's complete bunk, and it's it's just it's not a very good story. I don't care. I, it was one of those that I had the target novelization of as a kid, and I read that story over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and was just enraptured by it. And then I saw the episode. So then all of a sudden it was the book come to life. So it just kind of has this, you know, this kind of special uh, meaning for me. But um, those for sure. Any new series ones stand out to you guys? Asylum. Dalek, yeah. Dalek and Asylum. Yeah. Asylum. Oh, victory. Of the Do- no. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot about Victory I like. For Cybermen, I have a long list. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Uh, let's see. Tenth Planet, The Moon Base, Tomb, even Wheel in Space. Uh, um, I like Tomb. Tomb is probably one of my favorite of the classics. Um, Tomb's a good go-to. The Invasion. Oh, yes, The Invasion yeah. Together. The Invasion is probably my favorite. Oh, the new series, I like that one with uh, Craig. What was the closing, closing time? time? Yeah. Are we allowed to put uh, Big Finish in this uh, in, in this list? I think so, yeah. I think if I remember it right, it could be across all stories. It doesn't have to be just television. Oh, well, then in that case. Sort of. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> in that case, Spare Parts is yeah. my all-time favorite Cyberman story. Sort of Orion was pretty good. Real time. Real time. Is good. <laughs> I'll get to that. I mean, yeah, we'll, I may we'll have, uh, I mean, have dipped my hand there. <laughs> uh, the other thing he asked about is if we watched honest trailers. And yeah, I think we have from time to time. I don't religiously I, I, watch it, but if one catches my eye that I think will be funny, I will. I check in every week to see if it's a movie I've seen. And if I've yeah. seen it, I'll watch it. Sometimes if it's a movie I'm interested in, I'll watch it. I try to steer <laughs> clear too because of ones that I haven't seen because sometimes they're very spoiler ridden. So. I kind Most of, of the time, they're really spoiled. Yeah, I kind of fall between the two of them. I think I check in way more than Glenn, but not nearly as much as Keith. But frequently, it's another friend of mine that says, have you seen this yet? And forces me to watch them. So, All right, well, let's move on to this week's feedback then. We have, we have more <laughs> feedback from Jamie. He says, hi, you Vortexers. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. This will be a long one with my comments from episodes 54 through 58. Replies, finally. Sean, you've gone... Apple, after all the grief you gave everyone, how dare you? Yes, after all the grief you gave people for jumping on the iPod bandwagon and calling them sheep, it makes you a traitor. I'm sorry, I can't stand Minuet in Hell, and I'll get more into that when you guys review it. On the comments, just so you know, I download your podcast from your website and transfer the files to my non-Apple MP3 player. I don't get it through iTunes or Zune, and when my MP3's player is down, I use my Android phone and listen straight from the website. I watched Dreamland once. It was okay, but yes, the animation was meh, and the story wasn't phenomenal. The Next Doctor. I've seen it. Not recently. I enjoyed it. However, I think it's my least favorite of the specials. I think the closest Doctor Who has gotten to steampunk Cybermen is the audio story The Silver Turk, featuring the Eighth Doctor and Mary Shelley. It's very Frankenstein-esque. I enjoyed it when I listened to it a while back. Episode 55, in the news section, you mentioned the rumor of Sophia Miles as Amy and Rory's replacement. This ended up not being true, but in this discussion, you talk about that, if true, 
she wouldn't be playing Madame de Pompadour because, and I'm paraphrasing slightly here, Moffat would never have the doctor swoop in at the moment of a companion's death to save them, <laughs> only to put them back later. <laughs> well, are we eating our words now? May I direct your attention to Clara, Planet of the Dead. I don't know why, but I really like this one. It's just a fun romp. The bus people aren't annoying. I like Lady Christina. Captain Magambo was nice. Reminded me a bit of Brigadier Bambera. Malcolm Taylor was a little bit of that quirky scientist who was fun to watch. And also the music for this one is excellent. My favorites are Lithuania and a special sort of bus. It's just a light, fun episode. Waters of Mars. So I'm not much of a horror or scary movie fan. I tend to shy away from that stuff. And yet, the creepy episodes are some of my favorites. Blink, Midnight, and this. This is essentially a base under siege story popularized during the Troughton era. It's claustrophobic, it's tense, it's suspenseful. A good episode that's way up there in the top David Tennant episodes for me. I don't think you'll get any argument from us on that one. Yeah, here. Also, a complaint of Sean's is the desert planet. Apparently, since Star Wars, everybody's doing desert planets, and he went on to list franchises that had desert worlds. Well, he forgot one. Dune. <laughs> <laughs> How could it's a geek... even in the title. <laughs> How could a geek nerd forget Dune? <laughs> Admittedly, I've only read part of the first novel and haven't seen any film version. I've gathered over the course of 50-plus episodes that Glenn has issues with anthropomorphic aliens, <laughs> saying it's just laziness on the part of costuming prop departments. Glenn, when does the act of explaining this laziness become more effort than just coming up with an original design? <laughs> it's true. Episode 56, The Ice Warrior Archive. I enjoyed The Ice Warriors, but like the creatures themselves, it lumbered through a long six episodes. Seeds of Death was good. The Peladon stories were also good, although the first one was better. Haven't read the comic you discuss, though the Draconians also appear in the audio paper cuts with Six and Charlie. I found that the Series 7 episode Cold War was, in essence, a remake of the Ice Warriors. It has some differences, but essentially it's the story of a scientist finding a lone ice warrior in a block of ice. I'll discuss that one more when you guys get to it. I found, and it's been a while since I've watched them, but I found that I liked Seeds of Death better than the Ice Warriors. You talk about T-Mat being down, causing a food shortage in 12 hours being somewhat unbelievable. However, what if, in the future, T-Mat is owned by Amazon? And they have a monopoly on everything. People don't have the need for backup supplies when they can just have it ordered and sent directly to them. What pushes is probably that there's only one TMAT hub, and, well, they don't have a backup or a network of shipping hubs. Also, can TMAT be related to Kablam? I was just thinking that. Okay. Headcanon. Could be. <laughs> I'll buy that. I preferred Curse over Monster. Monster dragged on a bit, while I don't remember Curse doing the same. We're talking Peladon now? Back to Peladon, or now on to Peladon, I should okay. say. There is an excellent novel that occurs during the Doctor and Joe's absence called Face of the Enemy. It features Unit encountering a mysterious event, and with the Doctor gone, they're forced to call on both the Master and Ian and Barbara for help. It also acts as a sequel to Inferno. It's a really good one, and one of the better classic Doctor Who novels I've read. To look that one up. Moving on for the end of time itself. Before I discuss the episodes themselves, let me just say that your discussions and theories on Matt Smith's departure are quite entertaining. Each series seven episode a multi doctor special? <laughs> Was that an idea thrown out? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably mine. <laughs> I really liked End of Time. Tenet is one of my favorite doctors. Sim is my second favorite master. Wilf is great. 
Rassilon was great. I like seeing Gallifrey. This was, at the time, the closest we'd gotten to the Time War. Yes, I'll admit the long goodbye was boring and seemed to just drag on and on. Although, did anyone notice the music in the space bar with Jack? Hint, Daleks in Manhattan. It's got issues, but the soundtrack is great, and it's all just around a, and it's all around just a fun episode for me. I loved Timothy Dalton's Rassilon. I wish we could get more of him in Big Finish because he has such a presence as an actor. You talk about how underneath the legend of Rassilon, underneath the awe and reverence that the Time Lords have for him, that underneath all essentially lies a tyrant. I think Big Finish saw that and ran with it. I tried Cyberman Bob and couldn't get into it. Sorry, Sean. Uh, no, no harm, no foul on that one. It's a I couldn't get into it either. <laughs> <laughs> However, I read the short trips you'd written and enjoyed those. Therefore, I have a mission for you should you choose to accept it. I'd love for you to write a few pieces set in the Time War, if including the War Doctor. I'd recommend listening to the War Doctor audios first just to get a feel for his Doctor, since Day of the Doctor isn't enough and he's sharing the spotlight there anyway. I'm sure you could work up some great timey-wimey stuff that shows the sheer craziness of the Time War. I kind of sort of did the same thing with, uh, what was the name of that one? Uh, For the Glory of Unicorns. If you haven't read that one, it's an Eighth Doctor one that I, I it's on the website somewhere. Um, that's a, 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 it's technically a Time War story, but it, again, it's kind of skirting the uh, edges of it. I'll give it some thought. I, I, don't, I don't have time presently because I'm hip deep in 20 other things and eyeball deep in some other stuff, but (laughs) (laughs) I I, I will give it some thought, Jamie. You discuss the possibility of Rassilon creating the Weeping Angels out of exiled Time Lords. This is kind of fun, because he's bringing up all this stuff, and I was like, I never remember talking about that. Cool. Didn't we really? I kind of remember that. (laughs) It's like old home week. Keith also mentioned listening to Zagreus. I find it confusing and epic, but I don't mind it. I'm not in the I hate it side of this story. But what if the Weeping Angels are related to the divergence that Rassilon locked away in the Divergent Universe? Hmm. That's an interesting idea. Now that you've seen the War Doctor, do you think he fits in well between 8 and 9? Yes. I think so. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the way that Moffat turned out. Moffat worked some magic there and it, it, and, it, and, made it, and it paid off. I really can't wait for your coverage of Name of the Doctor, Night of the Doctor, and Day of the Doctor. In my last letter, I asked for your guys' favorite Dalek and Cyberman story. He then proceeds to give his, and I'm going to let the, I, I let Jamie know off uh, my, I will let you guys know, uh, listeners, on. I have censored uh, a fairly large chunk of his uh, feedback here due to spoilers. Uh, he goes into his favorite Daleks uh, stories in particular are from uh, some outside media, um, Big Finish and uh, novels, and they're ones that are in the pipeline. And they were fairly spoiler heavy. And I I, I didn't want to know, so I I excised all of that. (laughs) Not much to say with the Cybermen story. I think Spare Parts is my favorite. We get the origins of the Cybermen here, and as far as I can tell, it doesn't conflict at all with World Enough in Time. Spare Parts on Mondas, World on the Colony Ship. I figured the Colony Ship was sent out first, and when they lost contact with it, Mondas just went ahead with the Cybermen program, just as the Colony Ship did when it got stuck. My other favorite is The Harvest. That was a good one. Dr. Ace and one of my favorite Doctor Companion pairings. It also introduces Hex. It has the Cybermen trying a new tactic, regaining their humanity. It's just an all-around good story that tries to do something different. And we thought so, too. I think we all came down on the side of that one. I'm going to say it now. I'm weird. I'm one of those rare people who doesn't mind spoilers. 
I'll look at TARDIS wiki or reviews before listening to a new Big Finish or watching the newest episode on TV. I'm weird in that way. I understand the people that don't like them, and so I do try to avoid spoiling them. If I spoil things for you guys in my feedback, it's not intentional, and I try to include warnings. How many Second Dr. Jamie story audios have you guys listened to? I was pleasantly surprised to discover how well Fraser Hines was able to mimic Troughton. Did you guys find that well done, too? Yes. I think you'll find out, uh, listening, what uh, we thought of some of them. We haven't done a lot of them, but I think mm-hmm. Keith and I have listened to a lot more outside of the show as well. Yeah. So I think I've given you enough to talk about this time, enjoying your show. Listening to you read my feedback had me chuckling and a few times laughing out loud at your comments. Keep up the good work, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. We should also mention that he uh, actually gave us a, uh, a little document that he wrote up, which is his review of the first 10 episodes of the Big Finish main range, Doctor Who main range. And you can find that on our website, uh, travelingthedevortex.com. And we've posted the entire thing there, and you can read what he thought of uh, those stories, 1 through 10. And uh, I hope you like them. Uh, I enjoyed reading through them, and we're hoping that he'll do more that we can include that way as well. Yeah. Got another piece of feedback this week, right? Yes. Up next is Allie. Allie writes, Hi from a UK listener. Good evening, gentlemen, or whatever time it happens to be when you read this. (laughs) I thought I'd stop by to say hi and how much I enjoy the show. I've been a regular listener for just over a year now and found each episode to be fun, informative, and entertaining. It was interesting to hear you hear your take on the la- latest series as it happened, your overall opinions and what spe- uh, specifics you agreed and disagreed on. Beside the main series, I particularly like that you give equal attention to Who in all its media formats, TV, audio, books, fan films, and comics. As a child of the wilderness years, my love for the Doctor developed through the audio stories, and it's great to hear both old and new being discussed. Congratulations on the new venture with Tardis Sauce, and as ever, looking forward to the next episode. Best wishes from across the pond, Allie. Thank you, Allie. Thank you, Allie. Thanks, Allie. Good to hear from you. Welcome to the family. Yes. That's it for feedback. Cool. Well, let's move on to our review. Real time. The Doctor is sent to the planet Kronos to find a, and bring back several survey mission teams that have vanished into thin air. Accompanied by his mature and loyal companion, Dr. Evelyn Smythe, and a third survey crew, the team are close to solving the mystery, when a member of their gang mysteriously disappears. The Doctor realizes these disappearances are far more serious than they thought. The Cybermen couldn't possibly be behind these strange goings-on, could they? <laughs> Bum, bum, bum. Yes? <laughs> this took me a little bit to get into. I saw this actually for the first time about five or six years ago. I think we'd already definitely started doing this podcast. Now, it might have been even longer ago than that. And I watched it. had to have been longer ago than that because I watched it when it was still available on the BBC's website, BBCI. Uh, wasn't BBC anymore. I think it was still available when we started this podcast. (laughs) And I remember watching it on there and I think actually it was even longer ago because it was when we did Shada, when we did the cartoon, the cartoon, the animated version of Shada, I watched this and I watched Death Comes to Time. And then I think later we ended up doing uh, Shalka Doctor, uh, Scream of the Shalka. Um, So I had caught this a long time but I couldn't remember exactly what it, it, most what it tell. I knew I had Cybermen showing up but I had calling in the blue coat 
we hadn't been introduced to Evelyn Smythe at the time, so it didn't even. And in fact, it wasn't until I went back to it this time that I went, "Oh my gosh!" It didn't even occur to me that that's who that was. But when I watched it the first time, when we started listening to Evelyn in the Big Finish Audios, so that was kind mm. of a revelation of, "Oh my gosh, yeah, that that would have been Evelyn at the time." No idea who that was. I just thought it was some lady with him. Um, this time watching it, so I got excited about it because I remember kind of liking it the first time I watched it. This time it took me a little bit to get into it because it kind of feels like you're dropped into the middle of the story. You've dropped oh, yeah. in the middle of what's going on. And with the exception of that little setup of the lost communication from the previous team that had gone down to the planet or gone yeah down to the planet, you don't know. There's not a lot of what's going on. But the story does a really good job of filling you in. And I think the really cool thing about it is, is it's a Cyberman story. And if you're new to... Doctor Who and you haven't experienced a lot of Cybermen story they do a nice job with uh, Yiji's character what was his name uh, Goodard, Don, uh, Goodard uh, really doing the nice little recap of the Cybermen story till yeah. now and I thought it was really well done not a to much mention, better way than Attack of the Cybermen did. right 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 <laughs> but not to mention and also when you're watching the video version of this you see the really cool kind of montage images of the different styles of Cybermen and as, as he's explaining it. So I thought that was really quite enjoyable the way they did that. Um, but it really feels like for the first several episodes that you don't quite know what's going on. It feels very confusing. And it's not until about the third episode that you really kind of start to put the pieces together. And I think it really picks up and gets good once you get into the, about the halfway point, a little before the halfway point, right about the beginning of the third episode, I think is when it really gets exciting and going but i think they tell a really really great story um the revelation of goddard i think goddard is the overall the best part of this story just, just so, the ideas so behind him and how it's executed is just so well done and knowing that it's eg doing the, <laughs> doing, actually doing the voice i thought the voice sounded cool. familiar and i didn't realize it until yeah. you mentioned it because i didn't go bother to look it up the asian child the asian <laughs> child i thought he sounded familiar and i then i went is that eg that sounds like eg <laughs> I bet that's EG. It even kind of looks like EG. <laughs> and then I went and looked it up. Yeah, it's EG. Um, I confess to, uh, I, I hadn't seen this before. This was my first time with it. And when I put it on the schedule, I thought it was something else. <laughs> so... <laughs> what did you think it was? What Did you think it was one of the real-time productions? Yes, I did. <laughs> And, and so and Glenn kept going on about, no, we're doing both the, the video and the audio presentation. And I kind of kept thinking in the back of my head, what audio? Um, but, you know, and I just wrote it off. And then I got into it and it was like, there's the... So you watched it first. Sixth Doctor and there's the... And there's Evil in it. What am I... Oh! Yeah. It totally was not what I was expecting. Um, which is... And I'm sure you told me that. I'm sure at I'm one sure, point in yeah. time we discussed I think when, real time and you told me it's I, not I part of that. I think back when we watched uh, Shada, we talked about the, the four different webisodes that they did. Because just a little background into this for not just you guys, but the listeners is... And I think we talked about this before and you're probably familiar enough, but back before Doctor Who came back to our television screens, the BBC toyed with the idea of this is how they were going to bring Doctor Who back to... The fold, basically. And they were going to use the internet, which was still, you know, the entertainment media on the internet. This is early, maybe even pre-YouTube days. Um, this was 2002. Yeah, this is where they were going with it. This is where they were going to do their relaunch Doctor Who. 
um, on on the internet, and they did uh, uh, Death Comes to Time, which was the seventh Doctor story. It was the first one they started with, and it's I think it's a much shorter uh, story, but it it, it does it, it it did really well, and people loved it. People were flocking to BBC I, which they were really trying to get into uh, the internet game, and so they knowing that Big Finish had already been doing audio, contracted with Big Finish, brought them on board and said, hey, will you do this for us? Help us do this. Put the visuals, we'll put the visuals together. We'll sync the audio and, and we'll do it this way. And they did and they loved it. And they thought it was a great idea. And Big Finish was on board and thinking this was going to be the next thing. In fact, that's part of the reason why this particular story ends the way it does. Because I think Gary Russell thought he was going to eventually revisit this story and, and do a sequel. Unfortunately, things happened where they had a falling out with BBCI and Big Finish and BBCI kind of severed their relationship with them. Part of that also had come by the fact that they the, the follow-up for BBCI was Shada, which I think they ended up using uh, BBC for, or no, they used Big Finish for it. But there was some there was some rockiness there. And then when Scream of the Shaka came along, that project came along, they went outside of Big Finish, and I think that was the nail uh-huh. in the coffin for that partnership. And so, ultimately, and then we know where it went from there. Uh, a certain man named Russell T. Davis decided to, <laughs> to put a bug in the ear of the controllers at BBC Television and managed to bring it back. And so that kind of killed this little project that had started to blossom uh, on the internet. So, uh, yeah, that's what this is. That's from that little era of. of Doctor Who, that the, the end of the wilderness years, towards the end of the wilderness yeah. years. It, it took me a minute to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> and once it, once it did, then it all all that came rushing back. And I went, oh, this is part of the, okay, yeah, I know what I'm watching now. But I still hadn't seen it before. Um, so I was very much um, just along for the ride. And I agree with you. I think it's a little slow to get going. And yes, you're dropped off in the middle of it. But the, part of that, I think, is kind of the uh, the gimmicky charm of doing events in real time yeah. that the, the whole story is set well and over the know, events it, of an hour it yeah. isn't necessarily well mostly. It, that that's what they were shooting for yeah, yeah. It, it it really dumps deep drops you in the deep end initially because you're in this experience of okay the doctor's going back of to fix it we'll see and not realizing it's not talking about the doctor doctor it's talking about goddard until you go back and rewatch it and that little prologue really dumps you into the deep end, and then it gets to the rest of the story. I thought. Explain. I'm not sure what I'm following. You, you remember the the prologue where it's oh he's hooked up to the thing and going forward or whatever. The two guys talking. Am I imagining this? Nope. The prologue. Yeah, I know what the prologue was. Yeah, that's not the doctor. Doctor. That's not Doctor Oh, that's Who. Goddard going. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I got yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, I, I got, didn't get I that. Got you. I got I, you. Obviously, yeah. oh. you're led to believe it's the actual Doctor. Right, I got you. Dr. Goddard. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, did, I did think it was the Doctor. So I guess maybe, I, maybe because I, I had watched this yeah, years I, ago and knew the story. Did you now. think it was the Doctor? I thought it was the Doctor. That's why I was confused. I was like, the Doctor never... Was, no, they just okay. they call him the Doctor. Yeah. So we're led to... You, <laughs> right. You're yeah. supposed to believe Sorry, I didn't get that. With any story... Oh, the doctor is okay. I know who we are. Yeah, right. Oh, it's set in a hospital. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. Until they quantify it, I assume the doctor is the okay definite yes. article. I'm on board now. Same. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I enjoyed the ride. 
and it's it's got so many of those little things that could have gone wrong. It's like, oh, we've got a, a survey team, and we're in the desert, and we're you know, the, eh, okay, there's a time another portal. desert planet. And Sean. The, yeah, I mean, there's just so many things that could have gone wonky and don't. It, it's it's a it's a tight script. It goes right where it needs to and gets moving. And um, you know, the some of the wonderful things that this story does, and it, it, it's it's obviously forward active now, but. I don't know if anybody else feels this way. The visuals, while, you know, okay, it's it's really, really, really a stretch to call it animated. It's a motion comic. It's a motion comic, more than anything. Um, and that, obviously, at the time that it came out, is just the limitations of the internet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and how you were able to watch it. But the, the, the fact that the Cybermen were not able to do full conversions, mm-hmm. and so it was a very patchwork job, and these people showed up, First of all, it's probably the most horrific cyber conversion in the history of Cybermen stories. I think this was the goriest. Maybe it's not quite the right word, but the it's traumatic. Gruesome. 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 Um, not only the process, which we get a kind of a detailed look at, <laughs> as opposed to just sound effects in the TV show. This is really a, here comes the claw, here comes the, you know, and oh, look, there's blood and... I mean, it's it's kind of all in there, and it's like, yeah, this is really intense, and I'm I'm kind of glad for that because yeah. it it brings back the body horror elements of what Cybermen stories I think have been oh. missing for a while. Yeah, um, that that is part of what makes Cybermen terrifying. But the other thing is that because it's such a patchwork job, and the way that these were drawn, it retconned so much of Cyberwoman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I thought of it this time fixed too. Fixed oh, so wow. much of that sure episode enough. for me yeah. that it was just like, same thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. It wasn't <laughs> just, quite a full conversion. So all right, it makes sense now. It's not just Torchwood being. Ooh, <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember if it had it on the copies that we had, but the original version actually had a warning to parents. Uh, I think it was episodes three and four had a thing on the front that warned that some scenes not suitable for young children on these i personally think that that they overstepped a bit in my opinion i don't think it needed to be as gruesome visually as it was i think i think audially i think it worked well enough and especially and maybe it's because i watched the the visual the video version before i listened to the cd but the Visual wise, I think you still could have got the impact that needed to be delivered there from just the audio of it happened happening in a couple of clever scenes. Um, I didn't have a problem with like the random body parts in the background. I think that visually enough established the fact that that this was a very patchwork um, facility that was being used. But I think the very graphic nature of, I think it was the administrator's conversion, or no, it was the, the, not him, that was another guy earlier on, and the crushing of the, the, the one man's head, although we don't luckily don't see that. It just goes to a full red screen, which I, I appreciated that. But just the blood on the clothes, I think that the, the graphicness maybe pushed the envelope a little too far for me, but it, it's, it's okay. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not putting them down for it. I just think it was a little much. Mary especially Whitehouse for, would have had issues yeah, with this. Especially for Doctor <laughs> Who. Um, yeah, I was, I was, maybe I'm channeling her a bit here, but um, but overall, I agree with the statement of how I think that it needed to be. This does take it to a level that the 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 horror of what 
convergent could be. So I agree with you that, but I just think they could have stepped back the visuals a bit. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's very easy to kind of think that, oh, there's people in the suits. And you think of it as a suit, especially a new series Who with oh, yeah. the stomping around that oh it's it's you just it's a clamshell mechanical it's, no it's, it's, it's an not. Iron Man suit it's, it's not an Iron Man suit it's right. very it's much a different thing that's that's happening here, um, and yeah that to me is kind of what's always and I think that's what Kit Peddler was going for when cybernetics oh. first became a thing yeah. back in the in the sixties that that's where the the scare factor was for him that people would be willing to. Oh, you've got a bionic eye. What do you, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. that, that to me is kind of where the Cybermen have always been scary. And this sure brought it home. Followed by that ending. <laughs> Makes me glad this isn't true. Continuity. Wow. Um, ill-prepared. <laughs> Was, Oof. yeah. Yeah. Did, did a part of the first time I watched this, a part of me felt that it was going to be Goddard in the cyber suit. Mm-hmm. And yes. the interesting thing about it is watching it again, I had forgotten who was in there. I had completely forgotten from the first time I'd watched it years ago. And so I was like, oh, I can't remember who this is. It'd be a big reveal. So then when the big reveal happens again, I go, oh, that's right. Wow. And it's much more impactful now knowing, knowing even the way is. I do. Mm-hmm. And so there was this, there was that huge moment of, wow. And then I went back and listened to the CD, and boy, does it put the frame of her having the conversation with the controller about trying to, who are you reaching in there? It makes it even more impactful on the second listening (laughs) that she's talking to her cyber-converted self. Yeah. She's trying to reach in there and get the, the... that person to resurface without knowing that it's her in that cybernetic <laughs> outfit. And I thought, wow, how it just the second time through was like, whoa, this is just too surreal and creepy. <laughs> it really, um, and, and a good, a good portion of that is Gary Russell's writing, but a, a, a good, good, good chunk of it is Maggie's performance. Oh she's yeah. Just, I mean, she's always good as Evelyn. That's yeah. why I think why we we all fall down on loving Evelyn so much as a companion. But in this one in particular, that moment just really is a standout among standouts. Yeah, it really is. Um, and Collins, you know, he's great. <laughs> he's always great. And Gigi was great. But... Did you guys notice the cat brooch? The... What was up with the cat brooch? So... <laughs> I did some looking into this because they would show the cat brooch frequently. Did you notice the cat brooch would react yes. to certain things? <laughs> I didn't know this until I went and did some research. Apparently, it was floated at one time that when they were choosing that brooch costume, he, he wore several different brooches that they went through. But the idea was to have the cat brooch actually react as the doctor reacted to things. That was an idea as far back as the 1980s when, the, this, when Colin was on television. Really? That was a concept. And so this was a slight nod to that. Gary Russell apparently, or maybe it wasn't even Gary's decision to do that, although I think he did direct this, so he had something to do with the animation. But somebody's decision was to make a slight nod to that original concept by doing that, and that's why they keep cutting to the brooch, and the brooch actually reacts to things. So I, I had that no was idea that was a thing. Huh. Yeah, I didn't either until I was doing some research. I was just going to write it off that it was Frobisher. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I, I looked at that, and I don't, I'm not going to go into it too much, but in the uh, Cat's Cradle series of the Virgin New Adventures uh, books that I've 
about 11 books into now. There's a, there is a, without giving too much away, there is a mysterious silver feline that keeps roaming around and you kind of learn what its purpose is. It's, it's very, they don't really go very far with it or go much into it. But it seems like they were they had set up something that they didn't really do much with. But there is a it becomes the thread through that arc, and something in those books have always alluded to me that that was more connected to the Doctor than what the way they make it connected in the story. And I and somewhere in my head had imagined that maybe that was that that this silver feline had always been there, and it was actually at first the been the brooch that that Colin had wore, but so. When I saw the cat reacting, that's where my well, the cat brooch reacting. That's where my my head went was oh they went mm-hmm. they they explored that more than what they alluded to in the books. And then when I started reading that, no, it was simply an undone idea. It's like oh I kind of deflated my <laughs> <laughs> my expectations of that. So, okay, so we leave off on this cliffhanger that um, you know Evelyn's infected with this retro virus that's going to go back and wipe out all of Earth and, and cyber-convert the entire planet. Which is such a cool idea. Which is such a cool idea. And the fact that they turn it on its head that, you know, the time loop of that entire thing of the Cybermen don't get the virus until he brings it to them from the past, uh, the bootstrap paradox that they structured. Which did anybody there. Grandfather else, paradox, as they refer to yeah, it. This one. Yeah, did, did anybody else, as soon as he, what have you got there, and he explains what it is, did anybody else go, oh, you just cre- you, you're the one that brought it, man. Did yeah. anybody else just latch onto that immediately? But, Except for I kept wondering, well, when is the doctor going to take deliver it? Because he, he he's adamant about they, they don't know when or where, or they don't win, but they don't know how the doctor delivers it. And he, but he knows that the doctor is going to be a part of it, and at the point that I I was the same way. I was like, "Well, yeah, you you're the one that started this." And if they, and, and it wasn't until the second time around that I realized what the cyber uh, controller is doing, and he reactivates her uh, cybernetic chamber after he's stopped the process. They start. He ends up starting the process again. He says, "Reactivate that chamber." And I remember seeing that in the, when I was doing the audio, hearing that here, and I thought, "Oh, well, the doctor's not going to be able to save her in time." But the doctor gets in there and he does. But it's the second time that I realized that 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 she almost had started going under the process. But it, again, but she wasn't necessarily going through the process again. She was, was just being injected with this different virus. Process. Yeah, it was yeah. a different process. Yeah. And so catching that was the helpful thing about listening to this on the heels of watching it is I caught a lot of these little things that were going on and it wasn't until the, the big revelation to me other than Goddard being a Cyberman <laughs> and also the fact that the really cool effect that the doctor figures out that none of the Cybermen can see. Yeah. That was neat. And picking up on the little clues that the doctor picked up on the second time was neat to, to listen to that again. But to me, the big reveal isn't necessarily even the fact that Evelyn is, is the cyber controller it is the fact that you go, it's not until they're on the TARDIS and they're going to, and she decides she wants to go to 1939 when... 27. Or, yeah, I'm sorry. 1927 when, when Lucky Lindbergh flies the Atlantic that I thought the doctor did deliver the virus. And it's that, just those little nuggets and that one big one there at the end is like, oh, wow, he was right. Gunner was right all along. Because when Gunner's giving his thing about, virus. you know, I was born in 1927 and this, and you know... 
and he's, he's kind of giving you this whole backstory, and you're like, oh, "That's a little much," but okay. <laughs> I don't know the why. I don't know why we need to know all this, but okay, you you do your thing. Wow, this is this is a pretty tragic backstory you've got, man. And then he went, "Yeah, I'd like to go see this." All right, here we go. Earth, 1927. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So where do we fall down on you know? Obviously, there can't be a sequel now because we we've we've lost Evelyn. So there, there, we've lost Maggie. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there is no chance of doing another story, at least in this format, and continuing the story on. Now I know that Gary Russell's well, kind of sort of. Well, there's so much talk about divergent universes yeah. and different timelines that I'm okay with. In my, in my head, even though that the cyber controller was talking about reactivating the chamber, in order to get it to work. I have to believe that the virus did not take to Maggie or to Evelyn and that Goddard was wrong that they didn't actually infect her and they're just going off to have a good adventure. Well, I think <laughs> it unravels the entire paradox idea though that how did then how did it start? Well, this has to yeah, be the cause and effect. But to me and 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 and, and it's breaking, that's, that's it's, a it's good, trying to break the paradox. That's a good way. Yeah, but that's I think that the problem is you have to have a paradox breaking moment, and they don't illustrate yeah. that well enough. They they I just they show you to be they okay. show you that yeah no and that's <laughs> that's a good way to hit Canon retcon it. I think ultimately I think what what you have to come down on is you talked about divergent areas and things like that is is Gary Russell after the falling out with BBCI. He decided, well, we're not going to make this continuity. This is just doesn't count. We'll just and he actually lobbied for Big Finish to say, no, this doesn't count the the, the thing. Um, ultimately, later though, he alludes to it and uh, uh, spiral, spiral scratch, spiral scratch, which I haven't read yet. But from what I understand, is he alludes to it well enough to kind of give maybe a finalized continuity answer to the mystery of what happened here and it sounds like it's an alternate do- do- uh, timeline doctor and and and, and maggie that that uh, maggie uh, evelyn. evelyn that uh because they were already a part of this paradox we're already in an alternate or divergent universe from from our own timeline from or from at least the doctor and evelyn that we know timeline which makes and sense. I, I think that's probably the simplest way to fix it is to say yes these are a series of events that happened outside of this time um the the books have done that in the past with several things we've done that with shaka doctor where we've we've right. sort of explained away some uh, of us are still waiting for that uh, we have yeah <laughs> we haven't watched uh death comes to time but it's my understanding that there's another nugget in there from what I've, I've read that, that really can't jive with it's because they were going a new direction with Doctor Who that ultimately they could end up going a new direction with because things kind of fell apart and, and, and thanks to the show coming back which I'm not knocking that I'm glad the show came back to television but it's, it'd be interesting to see where they were able to go with these uh, different lines that they were setting up for the, uh, the, the web universe basically so well and because it's such a time loop in everything you can kind of rationalize in your head that they entered this divergent universe and the, another doctor and Evelyn continued on and this doctor is kept in a loop continuously 
it's sort of that uh, what was it flip flop that right that yeah had that idea of of an alternate doctor and, and Mel in a different timeline. I think you I think you could go there with that because they 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 have I think that was probably after this yeah but too. they have established a precedent for it yeah so I think that that you can't explain it away that way. There's a lot of Doctor Who, though, that you can explain away that way. The early comics, you can explain away, you know, uh, inconsistencies. <laughs> That's just the and, easiest and explanation. It's it certainly universe. is. Sometimes it feels like a cheat and a okay, cop-out. But, but, but what about those of us that want it to be canon? How do we fix it? Well, I think you can still canonize it by... Including that. That's I think that's how you do canonize it. That's how it is canonized. I think if, unless somebody directly writes the sequel or in a story down the line that we listen to, somebody makes a, at least a direct connection to it, it can't be pure canon because... It, it, you, can't, you can't just assume that the second part happened. Right. That there was a whole adventure. Right. And they broke the time... Uh, loop paradox, that they broke yeah. the paradox and then went on to arrangements for war whatever the next yeah, evil and right. adventure would have been you can't make that work without somebody actually writing it down i think you we, you can because <laughs> in my head, head it happened that way you can uh, that's that's how your that's how your head canon works ours but, is, is mine is it's a separate different universe yours is they fixed it <laughs> <laughs> They have to fix it. Maybe, it. Maybe it's, maybe it's, they have to fix you, it. You're right. Maggie Stables has passed, and there's no way to do it now. But in I audio. think that, yeah. But I think that until it is done, it's 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 broken to this point. Okay. And without stretching the boundaries and saying alternate universe or. Because I, 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 I can't accept that she doesn't. Yeah. I can't accept that they don't fix it. But even I, even in a divergent timeline, but I think it. I think <laughs> it's, it still has to be fixed. It I still, think it still has to be I, fixed. I agree with you. I, I'm along those same lines because I'm the guy that wants everything in Doctor <laughs> Who canon. But I agree with you to that point, and I also accept the fact that they went back, they watched Lindbergh fly, take off, and then they went on to Arrangements of War or whatever came next in the, in the line here, and that 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 still progressed that way. I also think I can accept the fact that maybe there is an off story adventure where the doctor resolves this problem. He, he, he doesn't obviously never, do, he doesn't know. We aren't, we aren't let on that he knows that he, they left. He didn't hear Goddard trying to warn him that, right. that she was the one in the in suit. And so ultimately <laughs> he'll have to find out that that's the case because we know that Maggie's story goes on at least to a certain point. We're not finished with her story, but without that happening. So I suppose maybe off some someday somebody might so, so every Gary Russell will pick up and write a Titan comic that ties into real time and fixes that. There problem. you go. There you go. That's the sixth Doctor story they need to do. Here, here's what happens is they, they take off and they're headed to go to Earth and the twelfth Doctor shows up. He lands his TARDIS inside the other TARDIS and at the last minute he snatches Evelyn from her timeline <laughs> and saves her from dying and then puts her back later. At an appropriate point. <laughs> so there's no virus. There you go. Fixed. He moffets it. He creates another paradox. <laughs> hey, fight fire with fire. <laughs> <laughs> what else on this? It's just, it's a really good story. Uh, the difference in the CD isn't much. I was mm -hmm. really kind of surprised. the Because it was the first time I'd listened to the audio. 
Uh, I read that there are two inserts that add to it. The beginning in the TARDIS when they're discussing the coat, which I think was fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and as, as we now know, this is the story that introduced the blue coat, the blue suit, rather. Um, and now we learn that it's his morning suit because they had just come from a funeral. <laughs> and, um, what, and so six and Evelyn. Yeah, well, that, absolutely. That, that whole discussion absolutely. is like, this wouldn't have worked with any other Doctor no, I agree. companion no, no, pairing. Um, and it's funny that, that the, the reason for the blue suit is the fact that the limitations of creating a, a, a webcomic, basically. That, the, yeah, when they didn't want to do all the, the, colors. All the different colors, so it's just simpler to paint a blue suit. Um, but to have that set up with that, her actually allude to that because I think this came out August 2000, would you say 2002? 2002. And yeah. the CD came out just a few months later in December. So oh, wow. they didn't have to explain, but they did. And so I think that was well done. The other thing escapes me. I did not notice another place that was I... different from the video. It was just that TARDIS, but I, my, from reading the the wiki on it from fandom there is apparently one more insert in there but i wouldn't have been able to pin, pin i think it. it's a little bit more um on the planet with um, the survey teams yeah and i think i think it's a little more exposition it seemed like there, there may have been a little bit more of the crew inside the temple with the doctor prior to um goddard explaining the 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 backstory of the Cybermen. It seemed like there was a little longer gap in there, but I couldn't identify what dialogue oh, would have been yeah. So maybe that's where it's at. That could be. Yeah, there wasn't much difference. Anyway, mm-hmm. well done. And it just, you know, it's it's a what could have been, I think, for Doctor Who. And it's neat to explore that. And to see some of, the, you know, the, the lead up out of the wilderness years for Doctor Who to make a return. Uh, even if it hadn't made it back to television, at least they were looking at other avenues to yeah. to tell new stories. And I think that the, the BBC was wise to go that way. I think they ultimately made a better choice by bringing <laughs> it back to television. Yes. But makes me look forward to seeing Death Comes to Time too. Yeah, yeah, because that'll be the last of the web stories that we have not uh, yeah. tackled. Which is funny, we're doing them we're backwards. Doing backwards. <laughs> Although I think we did Shada first, then Shalka. No, nah, I'm pretty no, sure I we think did Shalka. Did we, did we do Shalka, Shalka first? first. Yeah, yeah, we are I doing we are backwards in. So Shalka and then Shada and then, yep, reverse order. Well, it wouldn't be Traveling Vortex. <laughs> Seems about right. Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, we're going to do some more Big Finish next week. Uh, the schedule is posted, by the way, for those of you that like to follow along uh, and uh, do homework, as it were. And the episodes are right this time. And the episodes are right this time. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Jamie, for pointing out uh, my uh, my mistakes there. Um, do 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 do. Where is it? I'm glad uh, somebody else could do it for a while. Yeah, somebody <laughs> has to. Have to be me, Albert. Uh, we've got a couple of big finish companion chronicles next week. Five point five or series five point five. A town called Fortune. So we get a little bit more Evelyn. And five point seven. Perry and the Piscon Paradox. So we will talk about both of those uh, next week. And then... Jamie, before you ask why we're skipping that, (laughs) there are reasons. We can't say. There are reasons. There's a method to the mayhem. And then some more alternate who uh, the following week as we're going to do some more Torchwood. We're going to do the uh, Titan Comics Torchwood Volume 2 along with Big Finish Torchwood Fall to Earth. 
Cool. More on that as we get there. Yay. Well, don't forget to support us on Patreon if you can. We appreciate those of you that already are. Is there anything else we need to touch on this week before we close it? I don't think so. All right. That's going to do it for this time. Until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. What he said. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.